Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman, the woman was conceived and bore a son. And she, when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with butchman and pitch and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds of, on the bank of, a river, of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down and ba- to bathe in the, at the river. While her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrews' children, she said. Then, then, his, then his sister said to the Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to week five of Long Story Short. Last week, we learned about Abraham and the promise that God made to him. And today we jump forward 400 years and we see how God's promise continues. But as we jump forward in this story, the question I want us to consider this morning is this. What do you do when you believe in God's promise and life does not go as planned? As Dave and I shared in an email to the congregation yesterday, we're going to seek to answer that question by looking at scripture and placing it alongside some stories from my family, stories that deal with mental illness, hospitalization, and suicidal ideation. Knowing that these are very personal and for some very traumatic stories and issues, we wanted to make sure that we let you know ahead of time. We also want to make sure that we cover this in prayer. So I invite you, as we begin this message, to join me in a word of prayer. God, we seek to find our stories in your great story. We thank you that the stories of Scripture are not saccharine or fake, but they are real. And they are messy, just like our stories are real and sometimes messy. But we thank you that you are good and you are faithful in the midst of all of our stories. And so we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, 
the story of your scripture would speak into the story of our lives today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the question before us today is, what do you do? What do you do when you believe in God's promise, and yet life does not go as you planned? That's what's happening in our scripture story today, but before we jump into where we are today, I want us to look back at where we've come from. Last week, we heard how God promised Abraham that he would make him to be a great nation, that God would bless that nation, and then through that nation, all the nations of the earth would be blessed through them. God fulfilled the promise he made to Abraham over time through the birth of Isaac and then Jacob, and then in turn, Jacob had several sons, one of whom was Joseph. Now, Joseph, because of some very serious family issues, Joseph's brothers sold him off into slavery. His brothers lied to their father, told him that Joseph was dead, and Joseph then gets carted off to Egypt. But God was with Joseph in Egypt. And Joseph ends up rising to favor and power in Pharaoh's court, eventually becoming the second in command in all of Egypt, which is really good because a famine ends up hitting the whole region. And when Jacob then sends his sons to Egypt to hopefully get some provisions for their family, they run into none other than their own brother whom they sold into slavery. They have no idea that the provider for their needs would be their very brother. Over time, the brothers and Joseph reconcile, they all end up, the family moves to Egypt and they all settle there. And 400 years go by, which gets us to the beginning of the book of Exodus. So if you have a Bible near you, I would encourage you to open it to Exodus. We're gonna do a quick review of some things that happen in chapters one through six, and then we'll do a reading from chapter six. Exodus starts out telling us, kind of setting the the stage. Chapter 1 tells us the Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so the land was filled with them. There's a lot of Israelites in Egypt now, and, and a new pharaoh comes along, a pharaoh who knows nothing of Joseph and all the good that he did for Egypt. This pharaoh was threatened by the Israelites. He was threatened by their numbers. He was threatened by their potential strength. And so what he did in response to him feeling threatened by the Israelites is he forced them into slavery. And then even still, as if that weren't enough, he forced the people into slavery and to make sure there weren't too many of them and they weren't too strong, he commanded that all the firstborn baby boys be thrown into the Nile to be drowned. So that's where we meet Moses. We just heard in the first half of Exodus 2 how Moses' mother saved his life. In the second half of Exodus 2, the story skips ahead 40 years. Moses, who had been raised in the household of Pharaoh, still somehow had a sense of his Israelite identity. And so out one day walking in Egypt, he witnesses one of his fellow Israelites being beaten cruelly by an Egyptian taskmaster. And his anger flares and he kills this Egyptian taskmaster. And doing so causes him to have to flee for his life to the desert. 
So then chapter 3, another 40 years goes by. Moses has been in the desert for these 40 years, and he encounters that burning bush. You may be familiar with that story. That's a well-known one. God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. He calls him to go back to Egypt and commissions him to lead God's people out of slavery. So then again, skip ahead to chapter 4. We read, Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and performed the signs in the sight of the people. The people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had given heed to the Israelites, that he had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. So Moses, his brother Aaron along with him, and now all of the people of Israel, they believed God's promise. God was going to rescue them. God was going to deliver them from their suffering. They believed the promise, and yet very soon thereafter, life did not go as planned. See, Moses and Aaron, they march into Pharaoh's court. They demand in the name of the Lord that he let their people go. You know, you can hear Charlton Heston's voice in it, right? And they expected Pharaoh to listen. That's all it would take, right? Let my people go. And what did Pharaoh do? He did not let their people go. In fact, quite the opposite. Pharaoh laughed in their face. He said, I'll let these people go? Oh, okay, all right. How about, how about not that, but how about we actually just make their work harder? How about, you know, we've been giving them, they've been asking, telling them to make bricks for all the construction that they were doing in Egypt. They had to make it and all the bricks, but you know what, we've been, made it too easy on them. We gave them the straw to make the bricks. So mm, how about this? You get your own straw now and make just as many bricks as you did before. So Pharaoh doubles, triples the people's work, gives them no extra time to do it. And in fact, when they cannot do what he has asked of them, this impossible task he asked them, they start beating them. So things for the Israelites are not good. Things are not going according to plan. And the Israelites, quite understandably, understandably, were not happy with Moses and Aaron for bringing about this fate. And so they go to Moses and Aaron first, or in chapter 5. It says, when they left Pharaoh, the Israelites left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So what do you do when you believe God's promise and life does not go as you planned? Moses believed in God's promise and life was not going as he planned. Some of us know that feeling. The career that you dreamt of, worked for, aspired to, doesn't pan out. The job you invested all your gifts and skills in lets you go. The marriage you committed your life to falls apart. The health you've worked so hard to protect begins to fail. The friendship you relied on so heavily gets betrayed. 
the child you tried so hard to love turns away. The person that you've made a life with passes away. The thing that you put all your hopes in dies. So what then? What do we do when we believe in God's promise and life does not go as planned? Well, what did Moses do? Like we saw with Abraham last week, Moses goes directly to God with his questions, with even his complaints. The people complained to Moses, and he took those complaints directly to the source, right back to God. Exodus 5.22 says, Then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you mistreated this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has mistreated this people and you have done nothing at all to deliver your people. Moses had believed in God's promise and life did not go as planned and Moses had no problem telling God about it. And what I love, what I love in this story as we continue in it is how God responds. In this season where life was not going as planned as Moses and the people are struggling, questioning, wondering who and where God is, what God gives them is so helpful, so hopeful, so absolutely necessary to get them through this season of life where where life was not going as they planned. And I think it's what's going to get us through too. So we find God's response to Moses in Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to read the first eight verses. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand, he will let them go. By a mighty hand, he will drive them out of his land. God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they resided as aliens. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians have enslaved. I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will Free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So the people come to Moses. And Moses goes to God. And everybody's complaining, saying, life is not going according to the plan. How did you let this happen? What are you going to do about it? And in his response to Moses, the first thing that God gave was a reminder of his power. 
Verse 2 says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. God reminds Moses of his power by pointing him back to one of God's names. This is the name that was known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now you need to know, you need to remember that names in the Bible are incredibly significant. The name of a person represents the totality of who that person is, where they come from, what they do, what what kind of behavior you can expect from them, what kind of character they have. Everything about a person was encompassed in that name. And so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they know God as the Hebrew name El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El meaning God, Shaddai meaning mighty, powerful, sufficient. And God lived up to this name, El Shaddai, God Almighty, by fulfilling every single one of the promises he made. So by pointing Moses back to this name, to these characteristics of who God has been in the past, God is reminding Moses of his power. So I will tell you that my mom has believed in God's promise her whole life long. But there have been some significant ways that her life has not gone as she planned. And I tell you her story alongside Moses' story with her permission and blessing. My mom is and has been many things throughout her adult life. She has been a professional singer, a voice teacher, a choral conductor, a college professor, a youth pastor, a pastor's wife. And she is still a mother, a friend, an avid card player. Dave would say she's a card shark. That can be debated later. She's a wise counselor, a faithful Christ follower, and more recently, with my dad's death about a year and a half ago, a grieving but coping widow. My mom is many things but she is also a person who suffers from bipolar disorder, or some know it as manic depression. All throughout her life, my mom has believed in God's promise, but because of this illness, things have not gone as we planned. She was first diagnosed in 1990, right after we moved from California to Oregon for my dad to serve as the pastor of a large Presbyterian church there. And she was hospitalized for several weeks after a manic event pushed her into psychosis. And as those who are familiar with bipolar know, after the very high highs of mania, what came next for her was the very low, low depression. And my mom was so low, so down, so very, very depressed that she says she remembers beginning to understand how and why people take their own lives. And she said she felt very great compassion for the people that she had known and the people that she had heard of who had died by suicide. And she knew deeply in her soul that God loves them. She also began to wonder if she might follow in the same path. She began to think and wonder if there might be a way that she could take her own life but in a way that nobody would know about it. My mom was so heavily weighed down by 
the thoughts that her own life was worthless, plagued by these inner voices that told her that she was more of a burden than she was a blessing, that, that the people who loved her would be better off without her. But in just the same way that God spoke to Moses, God spoke to my mom. God reminded her of his power. See, another thing to know about my mom is she grew up Southern Baptist. And in Southern Baptist churches, they do this thing they call sword drills. Does anybody know what a sword drill is here? We got a couple up front here. Presbyterians don't do sword drills. <laughs> but a sword drill is when you hold up your sword of the spirit, your Bible, you hold it above your head, and you know, in the Sunday school class, the teacher will call out a verse. You'll know, be like Deuteronomy 13, 12, and whatever. And whoever can get there the fastest, they win the sword drill, right? So to be good at sword drills, you have to know your Bible well. And my mom was good at sword drills. She knew her Bible well. So in those dark, dark moments when those voices told her nothing but lies about the worthlessness of her life, God's voice broke through and reminded her of the truth of God's power. Right when she needed it the very most, verses that she had memorized as a child came to her. Verses like Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are everlasting arms. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. In her darkest moments, when life was not going as planned, God reminded my mom of his power. And when life is not going according to our plan, God reminds us of his power. Second thing God does is he gives us his presence. His presence. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew God as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But Moses knew God by a different name. Again, going back to verse 3, it says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. This new name, which we read in English as the Lord, is the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush in chapter 3. In that moment, Moses asked God, he said, If I come to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. In Hebrew, the name is written with the consonants Y-H-W-H, -H, and there aren't vowels included, so nobody really knows how it's supposed to be pronounced. But there are some rabbinic scholars who have theorized that the pronunciation is actually the sound of breathing. Yah. You hear that? So again, remembering that names 
in the Bible are meant to tell us something about who that person is. If this is God's revealed name, the sound and the feel and the closeness of breath, what does that tell us about God? To me, it tells me that God is as essential to life and as close to our hearts as our very breath. So in the giving of this name, God gives the gift of his presence. My mom continued to live with and effectively manage her bipolar disorder through the years thanks to doctors and medications and really good therapists, and we are grateful for all of them. But it happened one December several years ago that a doctor told my mom that one of her primary medications was likely not going to work any longer. And it's important to note that this was in December because this was like right before Christmas. And the doctor tells her this awful news and then is like, oh, and we're going on vacation for a couple weeks, so we'll have to talk about this when I get back. And quite frankly, the picture that he painted of my mom's prognosis was as bleak as it was terrifying. So to say that my mom and dad left that appointment feeling scared would be a grave understatement. They were scared, they were angry, and they were feeling quite alone. So they did the only thing they knew to do. They invited a small group of trusted friends to their home in which, with much fear and trembling, they told these friends their story. They told them of my mom's pain, They told them of their fear and their dread of what might come and the loss of what had been. And these dear friends gathered around my mom and my dad and they laid hands on them and they prayed for them. And as they prayed, my mom experienced God's presence. Even before the doctors were able to get her treatment plan figured out, which they did, thanks be to God, Starting that night and for the next six weeks, my mom said she felt the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit come upon her in a way that just gave her this profound sense of peace and contentment unlike anything she had ever felt before or has ever felt since. And that sense of the presence of God is what sustained her. So when life is not going as we planned, we need to be reminded of God's power. And we can receive the gift of life, God's life-giving, life-sustaining presence. And finally, when life is not going according to plan, we can put our trust in God's purpose. We can trust in God's purpose, for God always has a purpose God had a purpose for the people of Israel. He makes that purpose clear once more as as he re-emphasizes his plan to make good on his promise to free the people from slavery, to bring them to this land that he swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give it to them as a possession. God had a purpose. God has a purpose, and God's purpose is always bigger. It's always better, often different, but bigger and better than our plans. So remember back to last week. Why did God choose Abraham? 
Why did God promise to bless Abraham? For what purpose? God said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the people of Israel. God chose them and blessed them so that for the purpose that all the people of the earth would be blessed. So even as life was not going according to their plan, God still had a purpose. God was going to set them free. God was going to bring them to the promised land. God was going to bless them all for a purpose, for a bigger purpose. God's purpose to bless his people was that so all the people of the earth would be blessed through them. God had a purpose. God always has a purpose. You know, there have been a lot of times in my life when I have been incredibly proud of my mom. But I think the times when I have felt most proud of her is when she has been bold and brave enough to share her story instead of hiding it. It wasn't always that way. There were many years when only a few select family members and trusted friends knew anything of her illness. It was a secret. But that all began to change as my mom began to trust God's purpose. And as part of that journey, my mom asked my dad to talk about it in a sermon. She asked my dad, the pastor of a church that had at that time probably over 1,500 members, to talk openly about her having bipolar disorder in a church in a time when nobody was talking about mental illness anywhere, but especially in church. She asked my dad to talk about it because she was starting to trust that God had a purpose. Now, really, really important caveat. Do we believe that God gave my mom bipolar disorder because he had a purpose? Absolutely not. I do not believe that God causes any kind of suffering on purpose. What I do believe is that God can and does use our pain and suffering for his purpose. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his what? His purpose. Did God give my mom bipolar disorder? No, but has God used it for good and for his purpose? Absolutely. Since that one sermon was preached, my mom has been able to come alongside countless, countless others in their own struggles with mental illness. She's been able to listen to them, pray for them, counsel them, encourage them. And then in turn, some of those folks who received help from my mom have gone on to help others, creating ministries and, and starting support groups and even putting on conferences to openly address and offer much-needed resources for individuals and families coping with mental illness, all inside that same church where that first sermon was preached. God indeed had a purpose. So that's the story of the people of Israel. 
That's part of my mom's story. What about you? I don't know all of your stories, though I look forward to continuing to get to know them. I don't know for all of you how your life has not gone as you planned. What I do know is that when you're in the thick of it, when you're in the midst of life not going as you planned, it is incredibly painful. And I do know that some of you are probably in that place today. I know that it hurts. I know that you're asking questions. I know it may be causing you to struggle in your faith. And I want you to know that that's okay. And I'm really glad you're here. But I also want you to know is that when that happens for you, when life does not go according to your plan, and life rarely goes according to our plans, you can be reminded of God's power. You can receive God's presence. And you can put your trust in God's purpose that is always bigger and always better than our plans. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.